Hey folks, it's Matt. Here's the bonus track to episode two, or what we called in our repost, Rachel Carson, Monsanto and social value marketing. It's a guide that'll help you when you're trying to determine what sort of hype on the package actually means something. And in particular, you'll learn a lot about eggs, all the different claims, cage-free, pasture-raised, friends with foghorn, leghorn, and daffy f***ing duck. Anyways, it's with Mary Mulry. We think you're going to love it. I'm Jeremy Sparrowin. I'm Matt Levine. This is Cornucopia. Episode two was kind of a bummer. So in this addendum, we wanted to give you more of a positive spin on things. Now that we know that there's this big concerted effort to deceive you, how do you fight back? How do you go about purchasing good foods with confidence? For that, Matt and I turned to industry insider Mary Mulry. She's a managing partner at Foodwise One, a product consulting and development firm based out of Denver. She was kind enough to offer her take on healthy, ethical shopping. Just as a quick aside, this is an edited interview. Some of the questions have been re-recorded for clarity, though Mary's answers have not. So Mary, we want to try to give a kind of guide for our listeners who are doing their shopping. And so I want to start off with addressing the concerns of maybe some of our laziest listeners. So if you're going to look for one thing and one thing only to guide your shopping choices, if you're trying to purchase healthy, ethical foods, what should that one thing be? The gold standard currently of food labels is certified organic. Number one, it's regulated by the government, but also has standards that take you from the field to your fork. So organic is the most sustainable general means of agriculture that we have currently today that you would find in the grocery store. Great. And so I think everybody is at least familiar with that term, but what exactly does organic mean? Every ingredient is traceable back to the farm and goes through a certification that limits what can be applied to the product in the field. You know, no sewage sludge, no genetically modified seeds, and a very limited number of pesticides. And typically, those are not synthetic pesticides, but things like insecticidal soap, which are relatively benign compared to something like atrazine or other pesticides. They must have an organic management plan, which requires that they improve the soil every year. And then as it goes through further processing, there are, you know, a limited number of processes that are allowed and they're typically things you can do in your kitchen you know fermentation which is how you make yogurt and beer and wine and heating and cooling and extracting naturally uh, things like that and then there's a very limited number of additives that can be used when you process food it's a finite list compared to tens of thousands of food chemicals that can be in your conventional food. So it sounds like organic is an excellent standard if you really care quite a bit about the environment as a whole. But what about people with more specific concerns? For example, animal welfare or the quality of life of people who are, for example, harvesting our coffee beans. What should people who are most concerned with those sorts of issues look for? 
in every category, there are labels and certifications. So when you get outside of actually certified organic, the awareness is much lower. And so you really need to just read the package and check out the websites and kind of make your own decision. So that sounds great. But for one issue, I am a lazy, lazy man. Can I just go down to a local natural food supermarket? Is, is that at least a decent solution? Uh, that is the easiest thing. I mean, I have a lot of faith in the standards group at Whole Foods. I know having worked at Natural Grocers is another example that they do a lot of screening and filtering of products from companies that are willing to be transparent and willing to, you know, back up their claims. And if I wouldn't be caught dead inside of Whole Foods, am I just sort of screwed if I want to go to Kroger or Trader Joe's? You can trust some of the larger retail chains like King Supers, Wegmans, Central Market, HEB in Texas. Uh, King Supers is actually a Kroger chain. Uh, so Kroger, you know, nationally, if if there is a claim on the label, you can pretty much be assured that someone's asked some questions that that there's actual support for that label. But really, it's best to do your own homework. Since you mentioned Trader Joe's, they're a retailer to definitely read their labels carefully. They have chicken sausage. They have these high-end chicken sausages and things like that. They are not made from natural chicken. So they're using conventional chicken and dressing it up, adding feta cheese and, you know, making it gourmet. But the chicken itself is not what I would consider natural. Given that they're marketing themselves more toward the natural organic crowd, to me that's a little bit on the edge ethically. So then what do you do to determine if a store or chain of stores is performing due diligence on their end? A lot of these retailers, you can see what their standards are on their websites. So you can go to Earth Fair's website or Whole Foods website or Natural Grocer's website and read about, you know, how they choose products and how they decide what products are going to make it into the store. And when I was at Natural Grocer's, I mean, there were very, very detailed questions that the company would get and they welcomed that level of transparency. So you can actually ask these companies very detailed questions and they're usually pretty happy to answer them. And this is an option that really is available to people who aren't industry insiders such as yourself. Right, right. It's something anyone can do and it's part of, you know, learning about where your food comes from and and how it's treated, and understanding some of the nuances of these issues. So one of the most confusing things about all this for me is that you see all sorts of claims along these lines on almost everything. Even the most obviously conventionally processed or factory-raised foods will say things like hormone-free or non-GMO. So what's going on there? Are those claims false or misleading in some way? Are, are they outright lies? You do have these companies who are adding things or saying something is non-GMO from a crop that yep. was never genetically modified. You know, it's a little bit suspect. There isn't any GMO wheat in the marketplace. You'll see no cholesterol in something like Rice Krispies or something that would have never had cholesterol because it didn't have animal products to begin with. Um, so certain of these claims can be misleading 
because they're more marketing terms than they are sort of transparency terms. Looking for non-GMO ingredients and having everything labeled non-GMO that you know couldn't possibly have been genetically modified or certainly not in the marketplace is a little bit confusing. So again, it's an education process, making sure you understand what those standards actually mean. You know, what does no GMOs mean in different categories? And uh, Wait, so what does that mean in different categories? Well, it's pretty clear with either commodities or ingredients derived from those commodities. So let's say we're talking about soy. So tofu that is labeled as non-GMO must be grown from non-genetically modified soy. And if there are soy-based ingredients like soybean oil or lecithin, that say they're non-GMO, they must have come from non-genetically modified ingredients. Where the confusion has come in, especially recently, if you look at some of the recent legislation that's being passed, is they're exempting things like livestock feed. So a product could be labeled non-GMO where the animal actually ate GMO feed because the animal itself is not genetically modified. Now, the non-GMO verification project certification would not allow that, but that's not to say that a non-verified product couldn't make that claim. And the non-GMO certification project is a private label that certifies things non-GMO as distinct from the government-approved label claim. Can you tell us about that? It's a, it's a common label. It has a butterfly kind of in the center. Um, it's on a lot of of products, uh, and that means that the products have been through a uh, intense scrutiny of the ingredients that are in the product and how they're handled, and in some cases, you know, testing to look for contamination with genetically modified materials. So if you see a non-GMO verified project certification, you can trust that certification. So switching gears a little bit, I know that one of the areas of your particular expertise is in chickens and uh, especially in the realm of eggs. And I think this is a really interesting subject for a lot of people because, well, A, eggs are delicious and... Also, because that's uh, that's one of the things that you see in the grocery store that I think is most mystifying for a lot of people. For one, there's a surprising variety of different eggs from different farms, even in a given grocery store. But also because there's a, quite a variety of different standards by which those eggs may have gotten to the grocery store, it seems. You have everything from sort of unlabeled eggs to cage-free to free-range to pasture-raised eggs in some grocery stores. And those terms are not immediately clear to a lot of people. So if you would, I'd love it if you could break down exactly what those different things mean and maybe give some of your insight on, on what sorts of eggs you reckon people should be buying. When you talk about eggs, you'll see various labels. And if it doesn't have a label, it's what I would call conventional battery-caged eggs, meaning that the chickens are all in a very small cage with almost no room to move their entire life because it is you know, extraordinarily efficient to confine chickens to a cage where uh, you know, it's easy to get the eggs and they actually eat less 
feed because they're not moving around. So it's actually cheaper. The air in the building is not very clean. They can't move around. So if you let them out of the cage, they probably couldn't move either. And so it's a very inhumane way to get eggs. The next level up is called cage-free. And all cage-free means is there are no cages. It's the same type of building. It's the same confinement. The air is horrific. The floor of the building is horrifically dirty. So the chickens are in an environment where they can only move around slightly because there's an ungodly number of chickens in this building. So all cage-free really means is that they're not in a cage. But they have all the same problems. You know, they, they can't move around, they can't go outside, and, uh, and they're subject to really poor conditions. The next level up is called free range, and with free range, they must be able to go outside. They have space requirements, both indoors and outdoors, that allow them to move around, and they can exhibit what are called their normal behaviors, which is walking, dust bathing, you know, flying a little bit, you know, those kinds of things, none of which they can do under the other two conditions. So free range is at least what I believe should be the minimal standard for anyone buying eggs. So one of the things that I've heard is that the free range standard is actually not that strong of a standard. Um, People say that the access to the outside that birds must be given and a number of other of the elements of the standard aren't really stringent enough to have much of an impact on the bird's health. How accurate is that? Is it really more of a more of window dressing or is it actually kind of a good standard? Yeah, I mean, free range chickens are required to have at least two square feet outside, but it's not designated what ground they're on. And so what you have is some of these larger chicken operations that they're not out on grass. They're out on these sometimes concrete porches. So it's a step better than cage free because at least they're outside, but the eggs that you should be buying are pastured, which means that the chickens not only have access to the outdoors, but to actual pasture. And each chicken is required to have at least 108 square feet of space outside. That doesn't mean that at any given time they need that space, but it allows for rotation of pasture so that they can exhibit all of their natural behaviors. They keep all their feathers because in these combined conditions, not only do they get sick, which is why companies had given them antibiotics, but they also peck each other. And outside, that's much less of a problem. Okay. So the obvious question here then is, what's this going to run me? Um, Not necessarily here in the Bay Area, but what's it going to run the average person out there in Colorado? Retail, the difference might be a dollar versus six or seven dollars. And I've had people say, oh, my God, I can't afford that. Well, when you think about a $6 dozen of eggs, it's still only 50 cents an egg. And those eggs are the healthiest eggs that you will ever eat. They have more vitamins. They have more healthful fats. I mean, this is how the chicken is supposed to be raised. So to wrap this up, we wanted to build a meal here. And since we're talking about eggs, let's make that breakfast. So supposing somebody who is of... You know, some sort of has some level of disposable income, but isn't rich enough to afford caviar every night. What should they purchase for breakfast if they're interested in buying the most sort of ethical foods? 
within reason? What kind of coffee, milk, eggs, bread, that sort of thing should should folks like that be looking for? Here's what I would suggest. You buy organic fair trade coffee because the price premium is very low. I have to say organic milk. I don't think there's another choice there because of the advantages of organic milk over any other choice. So I know you're from Wisconsin, so this may be a loaded question, but do you have any thoughts on the alternatives like almond milk or soy milk? I am not a big proponent of uh, nut milks because they're basically devoid of nutrition. So if you're going to buy an alternative milk, you want to buy soy milk or hemp milk, something that has you know some level of protein in it. I'd have to double check my calculations but there's something like four almonds to an eight-ounce serving of almond milk. Dairy milk has calcium and protein and vitamins and you know all these things. Almond milk can't even hold a candle in terms of nutrition. And with eggs? The minimal would be organic free-range eggs with a humane certified seal, which would be considerably less than the pastured eggs. And again, I'll emphasize from a nutrition standpoint, still one of your best values for breakfast. As far as bacon goes, a good, what I call natural bacon, Applegate Farms or some equivalent bacon where it doesn't have synthetic nitrates or nitrates um, added, definitely organic bread. There's lots of good choices from Rudy's Organic to Dave's Killer Bread. Bread is pretty important to look at organically, mostly because a lot of the preservatives that allow bread to last for weeks are not good. Bread wasn't ever really designed to last for weeks and weeks and weeks. Uh, You want to buy organic bread that will last, you know, longer than a few days, but not, you know, weeks at a time. No more bacon, no more sausage. And we leave you with that. Thanks for listening, and we'd like to extend a heartfelt thanks to to Mary Mulry. She is an extraordinary person, and we cannot possibly thank her enough for her time. If you're missing Matt, he was actually a very big part of this interview, but it's been a long, long month for us, and I have the better mics at home, so I re-recorded his parts. He'll be back next week, kicking and screaming as always. If you want more information on anything you've heard on any of our podcasts, you can visit our website, www.cornucopia.show. We also can be followed on Facebook, Twitter, and all the other major social media platforms, except Snapchat. We don't actually know how that one works. You can subscribe to our shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Please rate and review us as you see fit. This is very much a work in progress, and your support here will help us to continue to put out better and better programming. If you have any feedback, we'd love to hear from you directly. We can be reached with your comments, criticisms, and semi-coherent rants at contact at cornucopia.show. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week here on Cornucopia. Cornucopia.